Hello, this is Grad School Grad, a podcast about public policy and international relations graduate programs in the United States. For today's program or episode, I want to talk about international students and public policies schools. Um, and I think this is a topic that matters a lot to both U.S. students and international students. For the international students, I think it's good to identify, uh, uh, hey, what has been the international student dynamics for American policy grad programs? And then for U.S. students, I think it's good to identify uh, or at least understand some, uh, you know, what international students are about, broadly speaking. Uh, and the, one of the big reasons is that uh, in many programs, uh, both the really good, the really prestigious ones and the less prestigious ones, international students make up as high as 50% of the student body, uh, sometimes even more. Um, in my graduate program, uh, international students were definitely 50%. I think it dipped a little bit during COVID to like 30 or 40%. But either way, you're going to have a large percentage of student body that are international students. And, and, and just get to know what they're about. So I want to highlight that uh, I am going to speak, I think the easiest way for me to do this is just gives a broad overview of what international students' uh, dynamics are, uh, do some anecdotes from my uh, personal experience to just help highlight and illustrate some things. But also I want to note that um, I check in with more recent policy grad student alumni students to make sure I'm giving the most updated information. Where things have changed, I'll note that, but everything else is generally consistent, uh, even though it might have been a few years uh, from now. Now, before I get uh, to the main content, I want to highlight that uh, international students or the presence or the presence numbers uh, of international students in the United States is sometimes controversial. And I'm not interested in the controversies, but what I do want to flatly put out there is that I'm making this episode with a belief that overall, I believe having the international students present for a policy grad program uh, is conceptually a great idea and something that's done well, uh, a good experience for all students and a good part of the educational experience. Obviously, each school for their own purposes might tweak or significantly change, so to speak, how they manage their international student population, how they enroll their international student population. And, and that's something each school may need to do to achieve their goals. All right, so let's start by talking about what is an international student. Um, there is a very clear uh, criteria of what makes someone international student and not international student. And that is if they have a student visa come to the United States. Every now and then you'll have an American student who, or a student who is dual citizen with the U.S. or something else. And that student, for whatever reason, identifies more with a non-American nationality who uh, will want to be, be treated as claimed as international student. And for all intents and purposes, most schools that I know will not identify that person as an international student uh, it, because they come as they come attend school at least as a U.S. citizen and not via student visa. So one thing to know about international students is that uh, a lot of times, not always, 
they are treated uh, separately um, in both enrollment and in terms of programming for dumbest students. So enrollment, there might be special considerations uh, waived or even added for international students um, to, uh, to be admitted. I mean, I'm not, I'm talking about separate from the language requirements, but for example, I know some schools that will waive uh, work requirements or lower the work requirements um, in order to make sure um, they have a significant uh, population of international students. Some people, uh, some schools might also seek certain skills from international students to fill gaps that they're looking for. So it's a little bit school dependent, but usually they think of international students as a separate diverse population they want to track with different considerations. Um, and then as a student, there's more uh, focused programming for international students um, that need to be resourced to just help them adjust and be successful. <coughs> so just want to uh, highlight that. All right, let's talk about um, the big groups of international students. Um, and I want to note that I'm going to talk about all, all this very objectively, very matter of fact, and um, just, just to bring some understanding. So the biggest group traditionally has been the Chinese international students. Um, by Chinese international students, I mean students from the People's Republic of China and not Taiwan. Uh, they have been decreasing in number. Um, so, for example, in my policy grad program, 50% uh, were international students. Uh, of that 50%, 90% of them were Chinese international students. So 45% of the student body was Chinese international students. So um, there are lots of good reasons that I can make two or three podcasts about why Chinese international students are attracted to coming to the U.S. for uh, policy school. But grad schools are interested in bringing them in because almost all, uh, actually almost all cases that I know of, all cases I know of, um, they pull, pay the full price of tuition. So a Chinese international student's tuition money subsidizes scholarships for U.S. students. That's why they're so desirable, uh, at least financially on paper for policy schools. Now, uh, there's lots of reasons why their popularity has been fading um, in policy schools, but they still remain a good presence. I would say in my policy program, from what I understand, the Chinese international student population is roughly about 30-25% of the student body, um, and they continue to be uh, shrink shrinking, but they're still very much there. So some interesting uh, things about Chinese international students uh, is that um, in terms of participation, um, they very rarely participate in class. And this is what, something that I have never ever seen an exception for. I'm not saying they n never ever participate, but it's, if they, there's participation, it's very much kept to minimal. Um, now, every now and then, a Chinese international student would speak to me privately, and they would explain to me when I ask, like, what's going on? It really comes down to two things. One, culturally, it's not uh, a thing in China to participate in class. So they come a little bit confused about what it's all about. Second, which is a bit more mysterious, but it's been mentioned to me a few times, is that there's a nervousness about participating in class when being watched over by older peers. And they're just concerned about saying something 
that might be insensitive or less than appropriate. Um, I'm still to this day not really sure what that means, but it's been reflect, it's been addressed to me quite a few times. Um, so between that, uh, I you know if there's something that requires a lot of participation class, uh, Chinese nationals I have seen to struggle a bit a bit at. Um, another interesting thing is that. I have noticed that Chinese international students often um, struggle to understand Western notions of social media privacy. And what I mean about this is that uh, they, so they come to the U.S. and all of a sudden they have access to the open internet. So all Facebook, YouTube, Instagram that is blocked off in China. Uh, they have access to it, but they still have the same norms of if, as if they were using Weibo or WeChat in China. And what that norm is, is that uh, if someone adds you as a friend, um, it's extremely rude and socially unacceptable to say no, uh, even if they're an acquaintance. So me personally, um, I have been confronted by Chinese international students that I've been in class with, never had a conversation with, why they accept their uh, Facebook request or LinkedIn request or Instagram request. And for me, it was just like, hey, I'm a don't, nice to know in class, but I don't really know you. I, I keep my social media very private. And that is something that they did not appreciate. And they, um, I, I actually been reported to Dean for excluding Chinese international students because I didn't accept them on social media. Um, so that's just something to understand. Uh, and it's something that I understand still continue to be a factor these days. Um, but tied to that, and just to j- jump off of that, I have noticed that there is an extra level of sensitivity with uh, perceived slights of ex- exclusion for being ch- Chinese or Chinese international students. Um, so tied to, that is tied to my experience about, you know, I was accused of being exclusionary to Chinese international students because I didn't accept them um, as pe- uh, friends on social media. Um, which, by the way, was a very bizarre or ironic uh, situation for me because I, as a person of color, involved in lots of initiatives for inclusion and diversity. Uh, it was just a very interesting thing. But also, um, in public, when I've been with uh, Chinese or national students, there's constant references to, hey, I feel like I didn't get the right amount of fries because... Um, I'm being slighted for being a Chinese uh, person or something like that. So that's just a level a level of sensitivity that uh, I haven't really seen in any other international student group, uh, at least addressed publicly, that uh, is very cognizant among the Chinese international students that uh, all of them I've encountered. Um, another thing is, in, in many... Um, policy schools, there are some version of a student government. And what I think is interesting is that the Chinese national students rush or have a strong interest to get involved in student government, like more so than the U.S. students. Um, and so, and they, being in student government becomes a major point of pride and bragging or uh, like worthy bragging in their minds and that comes has to deal deal with that in china 
Uh, student government is a huge deal. If you get a position in student government, you are seen as being on track to um, succeed politically. So they take a lot of times they take student government very seriously. And lastly, uh, what I want to highlight is that uh, I th I think it's interesting how when Chinese international students communicate with me and others, um, if, if uh, there's something that's wanted or uh, there, there's a potential for developing a closer relationship, uh, a lot of times they'll mention uh, family benefits, family favors. So, for example... I was uh, head of a student organization in policy school, and I was interviewing for uh, leadership positions. Every single Chinese international student mentioned that uh, they could offer me so-and-so opportunities or access or blah, blah, blah via their family connections. Or if they gave me the leadership position, they would make sure their family helps me out. Um, that's just a very bizarre way of thinking about things. Now, I do want to highlight that this uh, Almost every Chinese international student comes from a wealthier, uh, upper-class family, so that might be a class thing. But it was something that's been emphasized a bit. And even in uh, social interactions, um, I have encountered, and other people have done so the same, the U.S. students have encountered, uh, talking about uh, family support extended to close friends of him, close friends' acquaintances. So, um, so yeah. Ultimately, uh, you know, Chinese internationalists are an interesting bunch. Um, now, they, I will say, they tend also tend to be some of the uh, very studious bunch of international students and care very much about academics. So, uh, I, for a lot of the quant classes, I have found them to be helpful to uh, be very aware of things because they disproportionately come from more quant-oriented backgrounds than U.S. students. So, all right. The next group I want to highlight are Indian international students. So, depending on school, uh, international Indian international students um, are either the are generally the top three biggest uh, uh, international student population. Sometimes they're first, sometimes they're second, uh, occasionally they're third, but they are coming more and more to U.S. schools. Um, I. Now, from what I've seen, international, Indian international students are interesting in that, uh, obviously, they have, they connect with other Indian students, but they're very open to uh, developing relationships. They're very proactive about developing relationships with American students. And the other interesting, slightly bizarre thing is that um, they somewhat, they socialize with other Indian students, but they don't fully associate with them. As in, um, it's not that often, as you see, like you see with Chinese international students, they like walk in massive packs together. Um, they tend to find their own things and uh, their own uh, groups that to get involved in as individuals and not form massive packs. Um, I do appreciate that international students, Indian international students, are very keenly aware about America being a multi-ethnic society, and they seem to have a better aptitude in managing that and adjusting that uh, than some international students. And then I do I, I do think it's, 
it's interesting that a lot of international students um, are kind of. They, I think they they mean well, but they sometimes push a little bit too hard in uh, ways that could be seen as socially uh, socially awkward to network. So, for example, I have had Indian international students um, essentially like crowds, like message me nonstop, uh, multiple emails, uh, thinking I could give them a job opportunity, um, which I can't. Um, I have had international students like just just be very aggressive in networking, still very nice and professional. But uh, to a, a degree that is just awkward in the U.S. And I mean, once I explain to them, they get it. But I think in the beginning, they, they just think it's a, a rat race of how aggressive you are with networking. Um, but it's something I've seen uh, more fo- more with Indian international students than any other student population. And I think it, it, me- it means well. It's just um, an interesting dynamic thing. All right, uh, the next group is Latin American students. So Latin American students are either the second or th- the third biggest um, inter- international student population I've seen out there. Uh, and uh, In fact, my understanding is that graduate schools are seeking more and more uh, Latin American students, uh, or, tr- or trying to, given the decline of the Chinese international student population. And so... It's really hard to put uh, broad-reaching trends among Latin American students because Latin America is full of multiple different countries. But what I will say is that uh, I noticed that a lot of Latin American uh, international students um, do somewhat cluster around those with uh, of the same country of origin. And what's really amusing to me is that there's tensions among those from different or Latin American countries of origin, uh, or it's been it's been identified to me uh, regularly. Um, that, but they also come together via certain Latin American student organizations. But I and been some some meetings, and it was just very interesting to me how like the cross country tensions will come out in those meetings. But hey, um, yeah. Uh, now the two Af- I haven't seen that many African international students in um, any policy school. I mean, I know they exist. I've seen them. I hear about them. Usually, they're involved in international development. Um, you, but you, I would say the one, it's more, they, the African internationals are often the ones who are, uh, I do hear about as being internationals that are scholarshiped and not paying their way through. Um, so, everyone them that I met has been really nice and friendly, but just very few. Um, then there's international students from other Western democracies, so Canada, Australia, Europe, stuff like that. Um, obviously, as you imagine, they range extensively, but I think the common thread is that usually they come to policy school in the U.S. when they, in their native countries, have really good policy schools because they have a policy focus or an academic interest that is tied to um, situations in the United States. So, for example, uh, I met a Canadian policy grad student 
who came to school in the U.S. because he was interested in studying uh, U.S. Uh, campaign finance policy for one reason. And he had belief that if, uh, he wanted Canada to be politically, uh, it, by politically I mean its political structures to be more like the U.S.'s. So he wanted to learn about how the U.S. did business. Um, so, but yeah, that but that generally sums up all the major groups of international things I've seen and I'm aware about. So, I think broadly speaking, as a group about international students, there's a few dynamics that uh, covers most, if not sometimes all of them, depending on school, um, that I want to highlight. First of all, as I mentioned before, international students generally come from the upper classes of their country. Um, on occasion, they're, they're, there's a special scholarship for Mr. work. Usually it's more IDEV related. Some, sometimes not, but um, those are few and far between. And usually when international students get scholarship, people mention it because they know how rare and how competitive it is. But when uh, they come from the upper classes of the country, uh, those who are willing to share their perspectives are, are from an upper class perspective. Um, it would be like asking like a billionaire in America, was it like to live a blue collar life? So, uh, just something to understand there when it comes to sh sharing experiences. I will say that on average, international students tend to be significantly younger than the average U.S. student. So, um, probably like I would say a good chunk of international students I met were straight from undergrad or disproportionately high number. Um, also, it's good to know that, uh, not, maybe not a majority, but I would say a good proportion of them that I met, uh, international students have previously lived in America, uh, if not for extended vacation, month to month vacation, but then for, uh, uh, like doing high school or boarding school in the U.S. Um, so they have some general understanding of what America is about, or a good chunk of them do. I will say there a lot of times the biggest thing that I get questions about is there's general curiosity about America as a multi-ethnic country um, that at least functions with a lot less tension uh, yeah, t tensions that they have seen other places. So all right, I would say the biggest thing that shocks every international student, or at least outside of Western, big Western uh, countries, is how difficult it is to attain a job as an international student. So there's lots of barriers to attain jobs, internships. And a lot of them come to the U.S. thinking like, oh, I could show off my fancy grad school degree and walk in anywhere and get a job or email someone and get a job. That's not how it works, and a lot of companies won't hire international students because there's extra expenses tied to it, or you know, if it's a government or defense sector stuff, they just won't do it. Um, so a lot of people are very frustrated about how difficult it is to get a job, and a lot of times they don't realize how difficult it actually will be. Tied to that, uh, the concept of networking in the U.S. tends to be, um, even if they have a notion of it, a lot of times it's difficult for international students to fully grasp, and that's just take something to get used to. I will note that a lot of international students require a lot of support from career services, 
because everything from um, getting a resume together and applying for jobs, or at least the, the fine logistics of it, are a little bit more foreign. Um, all right. I will say uh, interest, another interesting thing is that their other international students are very keenly aware of being foreign and being very sensitive to it. So, granted, I mentioned how sensitive, the sensitivity to certain Chinese international students. Um, I would say all of them are just very aware of being classified international students. And I would say just at least approach the topic since, uh, with general empathy towards the sensitivity to it for all international students. Um, one very, very, very bizarre thing about international students, or at least for U.S. students, is that each of them has a unique sense of what is prestigious in the U.S., and granted, it's like tied to um, what country they're from and their personal tastes. Um, they a lot of times they will seek what they believe are prestigious U.S. experiences. Some are expected, like you know, attending a certain concert with U.S. celebrity or whatnot. But uh, I think what was was uncomfortable for some is that um, a lot of the Chinese international students and su surprisingly the Australian international students gravitated towards the military veterans and wanted to um, experience uh, things related to U.S. military power. <laughs> Every, they asked for things like towards the Pentagon, towards the CIA, and they, they thought they could just walk into you know, the Joint Chiefs, the staff's office, and like meet them or something, or at least ask about it. So um, that was a little bit bizarre. I mean... For other people, it was, um, you know, very idiosyncratic things that they thought was prestigious in America. And a lot of times they didn't align to what U.S. students thought would be neat. Interesting. Um, the last thing I want to highlight is that there are small things about America that will annoy uh, international students. And at certain points, idiosyncratic, but sometimes be tied to, uh, you know, where they come from. So, for example... I remember how a lot of Chinese international students and some of the Indian international students will complain about how there was too much greenery in the U.S., so too many, too many parks, and then it distracted away from uh, the city feel um, of the location where I went to grad school. So I went to grad school in the city in the United States. There are a fair amount of parks. I think by most Americans, if not all Americans, call it a city. But because you have these students who come from mega cities of 16 million, 18 million, they were, they were just felt cheated or they told me they felt cheated that they got advertised a city, but they instead got uh, what they felt was essentially a, uh, a town in their mind. And that really annoyed them. Um, I mean, hey, that's just a unique t take on things when going abroad. So I get it. But uh, just, just something to be aware about about. The small things add up. All right. I just want to wrap up that, again, I think international students are a great uh, thing to have in policy grad schools. If you can share share knowledge, share build relationship, meaningful relationships, and learn from each other. Uh, and you know, I hope the dynamics improve to support international students and to help U.S. students intera interact with international students. But I think there's something to be said about uh, just being aware of uh, general historical uh, experiences and trends out there. And of course, at the end of the day, each person is an individual. They should be treated like an individual. But I think it's important to know uh, what, what happens out there. All right. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoy this content. Sure.